other day I was going for a run and contrary to popular understanding, I was running long before Ben. You know how he gets up there and he talks about how his athleticism and his physical prowess out on the track running along and you know he just brings it up every now and then just sort of slips it in there well I thought I'd mention to you that I started running a year before he did and I would ask him to run with me and him from the bed would go no I'm not coming and that's how he speaks um but anyway I just thought I'd mention that so I was out running mind you I haven't done much lately so it's a bit more ah but anyway and I felt the Holy Spirit no I had a thought And it was about the Holy Spirit and I thought on it for a few days and it quite excited me and intrigued me. And then Ben asked me to preach. So that you are about to get my thoughts on something that I think may be God. (laughs) But it's, it's just what I've been thinking on and I wanted to share it with you because it may be helpful. It may encourage you. And um, yes. I'm just going to pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for this opportunity, God. Thank you for every person in this room. Thank you for their heart and their love and their energy and and just them turning up this morning. And God, I pray that you would use the words that I've put together for you to speak, Holy Spirit. This is your place. These are your people. I pray that you would speak as you see fit in Jesus' name. So I want to talk about the Holy Spirit this morning huge topic. Trust me, this is just a tiny little scarec of it. You know, the Holy Spirit is God. He's the third person of the Trinity. God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. He's not a representative of God. He is God. He's all-powerful, all-knowing. He's present everywhere. He's outside of time. He's eternal. He's holy. Being called the Spirit of God does not make him just an expression of God or in some way lesser than God. He is all God. So every time you think of God, the Creator God, like all those big thoughts that we have of God and how incredible He is, the Holy Spirit is that. But you know, personal confession, I find the Holy Spirit a bit mysterious bit mysterious. I don't know if you're like me or not, but you know, when I think about God the Father, well, he's, he's a father, a father like no other. And when I pray to him, I have this sense of him as my dad. That's how I relate to God the Father. I mean, he's huge. My dad was pretty good, but God the Father is so much bigger than that. And the Bible talks about the arm of God, talks about the hand of God, talks about the eye of God, the ear, how God can hear, talks about the presence, the heart of God. So when I think of God, my father, I have, I have a sense of a figure or attributes that I guess lean towards a person. And then, there, and then there's God the Son, Jesus. <clears throat> we have all the incredible stories in the Gospels that give us a pretty clear picture of what he was like as a man. You know, he's he's still a man, an eternal man, a resurrected man. And and also, Jesus uh, told us in 
the gospel that if you've seen him, you've seen the Father. Jesus wept. Jesus experienced life as I do. You all know that. Anxiety. He, he probably had colds and gastro. He, he had nappy rash. He got hungry. He got irritated at a person who was unfair. Like We know that he, if you read the Gospels, if you read the Bible, you would know that he was like us as a man. So when I pray and I think of Jesus, it's pretty easy for me to have a picture of him when I pray. But the Holy Spirit... You know, the Bible uses, uses um, symbolism to describe the Spirit of God. And there's a lot of it. He's symbolised as a dove. He's symbolised as, as the wind, as oil, as fire, as breath, as wine. And that's only a few. And the Word of God uses verbs as his names. He has names. There are names for the Holy Spirit, like there are names for God the Father. But these words, these names are verbs and they describe how he helps and how he interacts with us. He's called the comforter, the counsellor, wisdom. Well, that's not a verb, is it? It's a noun. You get what I mean. Helper, truth, another one. That's a noun. I should have got Emma to edit my my sermon. He's a teacher. He's a guide. He's a healer. He's an enlightener. He's a revealer of Christ. These are his names. This is what he does in our lives. Yet I've found that the more I try to form a literal concept of the Holy Spirit in my mind, and maybe I'm black and white, I like to put everything in its place. <laughs> and maybe you're not like me, but but I can't. I can't find something to define him, to, to understand in my terms of reference, the more I try to do that, the more elusive and mysterious he comes. And I hate to break this to you, but in that sense, we're all the same. Human beings, we understand the, the messages or the whatever it is that, we, that is heading into our brain through our through our senses, we understand that through our frame of reference, through the, our experiences, through our understanding. Does that make sense? But the more I try and do that with the Holy Spirit, the more elusive and mysterious he becomes. He is very intriguing to me. And I want to bring <clears throat> to your attention a verse which was the verse that God dropped into my heart when I was running. Hopefully I can make it work. Any minute now, it's on. There we go. <clears throat> John 3, 8. The wind blows. This is, this is uh, Jesus talking. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes, so is everyone who was born of the Spirit. This verse uses the language, the wind blows where it wishes, and you can't tell where it comes from or where it goes. To me, this suggests that like the wind, we cannot fully understand or predict or manipulate the Holy Spirit. Here is a force that we are subject to, not one that we can control 
or are able to direct. He is free to blow any way he chooses. He's powerful and he's free. He's unhindered. He cannot be contained or put in a box. He cannot be restrained by a set of rules or rituals. He is who he is. Just like God, I am who I am. That is the Holy Spirit. The symbolism in this verse likens the Holy Spirit and the way he interacts with the wind. Think about the wind. And I'm not talking about, you know, wind that occurs after you've eaten too many fibrous things. (laughs) The wind. You cannot... It's actually like this scripture is really powerful because you can't you can't see the wind. You can only see the effect of the wind. <clears throat> you can hear the sound of it is what the what the Bible tells us. This effect is is obvious for everyone to see. You know, imagine you're out in the garden <clears throat> and there's a gentle breeze and you've got some trees and you can just you can tell there's a breeze by the fact that the, the by the fact that that the leaves are are fluttering, moving gently. And you can feel the caressing touch of that breeze upon your skin. It's beautiful. And you can see if if there's some fallen leaves on the ground, like in autumn, the breeze catches them and throws them in the air. You can see trees bending in a strong wind. Hurricanes and cyclones whip the ocean to a frenzy and bring down massive trees and power lines. We, there, was a, a, there was a cyclone in North Queensland and I'm sure all of you uh, saw on the news the devastation, big trees uprooted, power, like those big uh, stoby poles <laughs> knocked over. Tornadoes destroy houses. They're wind. We hear about the strong north winds that fan the flames of wildfires on the news. And you see the pictures of flames leaping across treetops, driven by a relentless wind that just just projects those flames from one tree to another. The wind. You can even see snowflakes. And Emma and Tyson hopefully had... They experience this when they're on their honeymoon in Europe. Snowflakes whirling through the sky or driven by a blizzard. Have you seen pictures? If you've watched uh, David Attenborough yeah, documentary, you would have seen the blizzards, the wind that just blows. It's just, it's just an incredible force of nature. And interestingly, you can act, interestingly, you can act, you can literally feel the stifling absence of the wind on a hot, still day. But you can't actually see the wind. You can hear it though, often, once again, as it whistles through the trees or through an open door or a crack. You can hear the strong noise of the wind. <clears throat> You know, I literally have no idea where the wind comes from or why it blows, blows so hard or why it doesn't blow hard. And I have no idea where it's going to next and at what, what ferocity. I don't understand how cyclone, 
cyclone Kiralee, that was what it was called, formed off the coast of Queensland last week. Meteorologists would probably explain that there was this butterfly in the Amazon and it flapped its wings. Then this happened and that happened and voila, we have a cyclone. The Bureau of Meteorology can predict the weather for probably seven days. They can tell you the wind patterns and the rain patterns, but then how accurate is their prediction? And the average Aussie has no idea. <laughs> Yet Jesus uses this picture when he talks about the Holy Spirit. I believe some of what he is, is saying to us is that you know and recognise the Holy Spirit by the effect he has on and in your life. <clears throat> in fact, the, as I mentioned earlier, the names of the Holy Spirit are verbs. They are... They are they are, uh, they are uh, doing words. It's the names of the Holy Spirit is how he helps us, what he does for us. And I've told you all them before. Comforter, counsellor, wisdom, light, helper, truth, seal, teacher, guide, healer, enlightener, revealer of Christ, the Bible clearly shows the effect of the Holy Spirit in our lives. This scripture in Galatians talks about the fruit of the Spirit. <clears throat> the fruit of the Spirit, the result of his presence within us, is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while we're waiting. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. Tell you what, those things, there is not one thing in there that I would not love to have. And you're probably the same. They are incredible, beautiful characteristics. But to understand how the wind of the Spirit has this effect, we need to read the rest of the passage. And it's a bit long. In fact, my message does have a little bit of scripture, so hopefully you don't mind. We're going to read the whole passage, from, starting from verse 16. And in fact, who preached last week that they used this? But I say, <laughs> walk habitually in the Holy Spirit, seek him, and be responsive to his guidance. And then you will certainly not carry out the desire of the sinful nature which responds impulsively without regard for God and his precepts. For the sinful nature has its desire which is opposed to the spirit. And the desire of the spirit opposes the sinful nature. For these two, the sinful nature and the spirit, are in direct opposition to each other, continually in conflict. So that you as believers do not always do whatever good things you want to do. Anyone relate to that? But if you are guided and led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the practices of the sinful nature are clearly evident. They are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, total irresponsibility, lack of self-control, idolatry, sorcery hostility, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions that promote heresies, envy, drunkenness, riotous behaviour 
and other things like these. I warn you beforehand, just as I did previously, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, the result of his presence within us is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature together with its passions and appetites. If we claim to live by the Holy Spirit, we must also walk by the Spirit with personal integrity, godly character and moral courage. Our conduct empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's a really confronting and challenging but yet oddly exciting scripture, giving us a promise but challenging us also. Who wants their conduct empowered by the Holy Spirit? If you're a Christian, if you're a, if you're a if you're a follower if you're a follower of Christ, this is the promise to us. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. You know, stripped back, this is not about this is about us not living life the way we want, but bowing our will to his. This means obedience. Denial of our fleshly desires which equals if we do that, then we experience forgiveness, love. This is what it means to bow our fleshly desires to him, to submit to one another, to love one another, to forgive one another, to surrender our wants to God and to accept what he has given you in this life, the lot you've been given. Accept it in prayer. Being still, Allowing him to show him, himself in what is going on in our lives. Surrendering pride, self-achievement, success, our way of doing things, our answers, our wants. You know, I'm not telling you that everything you want, all your success, all your achievements are bad. I'm trying to illustrate the context or the priorities, or what is important. And the problem is, as humans, we get very, uh, um, what's the word, muddled with other priorities, with lots of other stuff that just interferes. But if we bow our will to the Holy Spirit, he, I do this all the time, I often, I overthink everything, everything, and I have to sometimes go, when my mind is this, chaos of ah I have to go okay I'm going to take all of that and I'm going to stick it over there and give it to you Holy Spirit I know in there is is a good is a really good thought I know in there is your will your desire but at the moment it's just all confusing so I just give it to you and I wait I let him have his way I let the wind of the Holy Spirit blow you know if we do that our conduct is or becomes empowered by the Holy Spirit, like the way the wind blows where it wishes and comes from somewhere that we don't know and goes somewhere we don't know. Somehow, and this is really important, it's taken me all my life, and I'm not 21, to learn that there is a blending of my obedience with the power of the Spirit of God. 
And when I obey, when I submit to him, I become Christ-like. It's mysterious. I don't really understand it. Like the wind, I can't control it, but it happens. You know, the other crazy thing about this passage in Galatians is that it shows me that this choice is mine. Remember the pictures of the wind, especially the strong wind? The Holy Spirit is like that with all that power and ferocity and and energy, but we can say no. We have a choice. That is the incredible thing about God is that he gives us the choice. You know, we can't, if you think about it, but we can choose where to position ourselves in regard to the wind. You know, if there's a blustery gale blowing out there, I can stand behind a wall and prevent it affecting me. You know, um, I went to Henley Beach the other day. It was in the evening. It was starting to get dark. Had a gelati from... Um, Bottega, if you've never had a gelati from Bottega at Henley, you need to. But it was a bit cold, so we hunted for a spot that was, that was protected, f- protected from the wind and we didn't feel its effects. We can find somewhere where the wind doesn't affect us as much. Or I can go inside my house and watch the wind from my lounge room chair. In fact, I can go in my house and be so busy with what's going on in my house that I even forget the wind is blowing outside. And you know what? It is the same with the Holy Spirit because he gives us a choice. Every minute of every day, we have a choice. It's up to me if I allow the Holy Spirit to express himself in me or not. He never, rarely, I should say, because every now and then something completely dramatic and sovereign happens but most of the time it's up to me to choose to allow him to move in my life to flow in my life to to blow in my life or to not let him and when we don't let him we're in fact choosing another and more often than not that's ourself or maybe it's someone else that you're choosing to live your life by We can ignore the Holy Spirit, which is just a crazy even statement. That's effectively disobeying, which if we do it often enough, can lead to us forgetting about the Holy Spirit. We can can choose to disobey so often that it leads us to ignoring his voice completely. We get so good at doing life, even the Christian life, that we don't need the Holy Spirit to help us. We've got our routines, we've got our way of coping. Sometimes our thoughts, our habits, our paradigms that we've put in place to protect us and defend us are those very walls that disallow the Holy Spirit from blowing in and through our lives. You know, I know for me, and I've grown up in the church, I don't remember the moment I gave my life to Christ. I think I, it just happened. I don't want to argue that theologically, but (laughs) I've known God, I've known church for a long, long time. But I've discovered probably the last three or um, maybe five or six years that there are things that I thought were God or I thought was the way God wanted me to think that I've discovered are actually blocking the Holy Spirit from blowing freely in my life. 
And I reckon it might be the same with some of you here, that there are some paradigms, some thoughts that are firmly embedded. You don't even realise how far down they go, but they prevent us, they prevent the Holy Spirit from blowing freely through our lives, through our hearts. There are two passages I also felt to, to show you today. And they're too big for me to cover. I just wanted, I felt like God wanted you to hear them. And I really believe that he'll speak to you through them. First one is in Matthew 25. Jesus is speaking as a parable like he did all the time. He, he says, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. But the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. It's a pretty strong passage. You know, the oil in those lamps is representative of the Holy Spirit. The foolish virgins are representative of people who do not have the Holy Spirit in their lives. But the interesting thing is they look exactly like those who do. They look the same. Doing things that look like you have a relationship with God is not the same as having a relationship with God. It is not the same as God living inside your heart. One more passage in Revelation. This is, this is an a insight that was given to one of Jesus' disciples and it was given by Jesus in a vision. So this effectively is Jesus speaking. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labour, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you have persevered. And have um, persevered and have patience and have laboured for my name's sake and not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or, 
or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. The interesting thing about this passage is that Jesus is talking about removing a lampstand. It's the same imagery, a lampstand and lamps, both contained oil. And I believe there is something here for us. Jesus is talking about repentance and doing the works of first love. When I used to read this scripture, a part of me would rise up and go, works of first love? That, that is a complete oxymoron. They contradict each other. When you're in love, you do things because you love that person. You don't hesitate in putting yourself out for that person. It's not categorised as works. You know, when I was dating Ben long, long time ago, he used to work, he used to work at Door Park, which is miles away, I lived at Hope Valley, so to get to Door Park would take three quarters of an hour or if there's a lot of traffic, almost an hour. But I would drive there during the day, because I was a nurse, I worked shift work, I am a nurse, to spend half an hour with him on his lunch break. I can't believe I did that. And then drive all the way home. Do you remember? We would, he would, he, he, he was a podiatrist and... I'd get there just before his lunch break and then we'd walk to, a, walk to, I think, like a seat and we'd eat our packed lunch. He'd hardly talk because he's not a talker. <laughs> and then we'd go, bye, and then I'd drive home. <laughs> Crazy. I loved him. I just wanted to be with him. You know, who's cooked a meal for, for, um, for uh, someone that they love but they wouldn't just do it for themselves. There are countless things. I, I know this is a bit personal but I wash Ben's underwear. <laughs> but don't ask me to wash yours because I'm not going to. <laughs> but I love him. In fact, I adore him. <laughs> I could go on and on about, about, the, about the things I used to do and try to still do because I love Ben. I don't begrudge it. Well, n not always. Every now and then I, I begrudge it. Like if, if, if he wants to take the van out and the car's behind it and he's going, will you move the car? I'm like, no, because it's the same effort. <laughs> there are some things. But what I'm trying to explain is that when you love someone, these works, they're still works, they're still effort, but you do it without even thinking, and you don't begrudge it. And I believe this is what um, Jesus is talking about. This is what first works are. Living life with God at the forefront of your thoughts and desires. I would think about Ben all the time. <laughs> Maybe not all the time, but almost all the time. Not doing things because they're the right thing to do, but doing them out of love, passionate love. Not love because, well, I'm committed love because you just love and you all know the difference I'm not talking about just emotions although they're a huge part of it this is the works of first love it's that instant response of yes if Ben asked me to make him a cup of tea mostly I'd love to that eagerness to be with someone and spend time with them and in, in this context it's God the, um, the eagerness to learn about him, the longing for more of him, 
The eagerness to trust him. I want to trust him. To respond in love, devotion to whatever he asks. The eagerness, and I'm talking about God, the eagerness to hear his voice. The longing to sense him, to experience him. And those desires, they become actions. Without us making them become actions, they just become actions. And that is the works of first love. We can become so well acquainted with religious works and actions in any church or any lifestyle that we neglect the person of God that dwells inside of us. Are you just going through the motions? Have you gotten so good at being a follower of Christ that you hardly have a moment of thought on or desire for, let alone time with the Holy Spirit, time with God? You know, in the parable of the ten virgins, the ladies with no oil were told to go and buy oil. You know how I think you buy oil? Not with money, not with good deeds, not with religious actions. It's by returning to your first love, by rekindling the flame of desire for him, because there is a cost. This is not airy-fairy, emotional hoo-ha. There's a cost to life with the Holy Spirit. There's a cost when I married Ben. I had to let go of a few things. And I had to choose to stay with him in my heart. And it's the same with God. There's a cost. When you return to your first love, you rekindle the flame of desire for him. You know, I was at a wedding yesterday. It was beautiful. It was out in the hills. It was a beautiful setting. But you know what? It was really hot. (laughs) And most of the guests had to sit in the sun. I didn't. Ben and I sat in the, sh- in the shade. We were a bit naughty. But, you know, the bridesmaids walked in and they had a parasol, so they weren't hot. The family were there in, in the heat of the day and it was, it was really hot. And the bride and the groom walked down. They didn't have parasols. And they stood there and they told each other how they felt about each other. And you know what? It didn't matter that it was really, really hot. And the love for each other, just it just was so beautiful. They loved each other and it just came out. Nothing matters in comparison to your love, to the love they had for each other. And I'm talking about the love we have for God and his love for us. I felt that God wanted to remind us of the incredibleness of the Holy Spirit, that we have God living inside our hearts, alongside us every minute of every day. Remember, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. You know, before the cross, when anyone wanted to experience God, they had to go to the temple, they had to make sacrifices. There was always this chance that God would strike you down and kill you because of his holiness. And that's a whole other discussion. But Jesus came, he died, was the ultimate sacrifice, the perfect sinless lamb of God. Because of that, God came and indwelled us. When you invite Jesus to be a part of your life, the Holy Spirit comes into your heart, lives with you, lives inside of you, lives alongside of you. And if you allow him, just blows his wind through your life and changes it. I want to leave you with a psalm. And once again, it's, it's a bit of a long psalm. But when I read this, it, I felt like this just embodies what life with the Holy Spirit 
is or can be like. A psalm so filled with hope and peace and safety and love. A psalm filled with the effect of the wind of the Spirit of God in your life. And once, yeah, I'll just read it to you. Oh, sorry. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. You know, that says evil people and army, but for us, it would be thoughts, um, illness, addictions, anything that feels like it's devouring you. Even if I'm attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in His temple. We are His temple. For He will conceal me when trouble comes. He will hide me in His sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At His sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. Do not turn your back on me. Do not reject your servant in anger. You've always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me, a God of my salvation. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me upon the right path. For my enemies are waiting for me. Do not let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of things I've never done. With every breath, they threaten me with violence. Yet I'm confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I'm here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. So I want us all to just close our eyes right now because I really believe this is a message from God, from the Holy Spirit to you and I don't know what part of this is the Holy Spirit is using to speak to you but I just know there are people here that God is speaking to you maybe it's to remind you the Holy Spirit is a, an untamable wind a, a breeze a, a force that you cannot control or contain maybe you've forgotten about Him and put yourself in a place where you hardly ever feel His wind. I believe God wants to remind you that He hasn't gone anywhere, that He's still there. And he wants to blow in your life. And maybe you have got so used to coping the way you know how and your defences are up and you know how to go through the actions of being a Christian being a good person, getting the job done. 
God wants to remind you that there's so much more of Him. And the only way you can experience it is through that first love, that passion, that desire for God. And you know, I read this psalm because I believe God wants to show you how good He is, how loving He is, how much He cares about you, how much He chooses you, how much He loves you. You know, the scripture says it's the kindness, it's your kindness that leads me to repentance. And I don't want to stand here and put the heavy on you and make you feel guilty because that's just a waste of time. But I want you to look to the Holy Spirit, look to God and allow yourself to fall in love with Him again. We're going to sing this song again. And I ask you if you're able to just stand to your feet. And we're just going to, I don't know, worship Him a bit more and just allow Him to consolidate. Maybe you need to dedicate your life again to Him. Maybe you need to choose again to fall in love because it is a choice. I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just move upon this group of people and you would speak to do whatever it is that they need to do within their hearts. I pray in Jesus' name.